But anyway, back to uh, this Clash record. Great lyrics. Did you just rub your hands together? I did. You heard that? <laughs> Why are you rubbing <laughs> your hands together? What are you a villain? You, pl- you plotting? You scheming? Like, what's going on? I am. What I can't believe you heard that. I heard it. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! This is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we get into a different record from a different band. And we break it down. We find out all the secrets about it. And we let you in on, all the, in on all those secrets. My name is Tyler. And we out there hundreds of miles away is Jeff. Uh, while you're listening, uh, go to Apple Podcasts. Go to Spotify. Give us five stars on that. Uh, all the social media is at Asinine Radio. We have a phone number you can call. Leave us a voicemail. Shoot us a text. That phone number is 503 503- Eight nine three five three zero seven, and we have a Discord server. If you want to join that, hit us up. We'll send you the link, and uh, you know, talk to us on there. Hang out with other people that listen to the pod. And uh, with all that intro stuff being done and over with, what are we doing today, Jeff? We are doing the Clash's Combat Rock. Formed in 1976 in London, England, by Joe Strummer on vocals, Mick Jones on guitar, Keith Levine on guitar, Paul Simonen, Simonen, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Pretty good. Uh, on bass, Terry and Terry chimes on drums. They put out six full-length records, two EPs, two live albums, and are one of the most influential punk bands of all time. Uh, but obviously, the album we're doing today is Combat Rock. 
It is the band's fifth album, and it was released May 14th, 1982. It features Joe Strummer on vocals and guitar, Nick Jones on guitar, Paul Simonon on bass, and Hopper Heaton on drums. Now, Jeff, uh, what is your origin story with The Clash? What do you got? Go. Saying his last name, you sound like a little kid trying to say, like, cinnamon, like the the spice cinnamon. That's what you sound yes, like. Yes, yes. Like, Simonin. When little kids try and do it, they go, Simonin, Simonin, because they, they're stupid. Well, how would you pronounce his name? How do you pronounce it? Uh, I, I just don't. I just I just say the bass player. So. <laughs> you say Paul. Paul. Automatically, no. I'll, I'll, I guess all, right, all so, bass so players from England are named Paul. Really? Yeah. My, uh, so what my, origin, my origin story is uh, is this song. This song. Um, should I stay or should I go now? This was, um, I like this song. I still like it today. I think it's a good song. It's easy to learn on the guitar. It's one of the first, one of the the more first songs I learned on the guitar completely. And Mm -hmm. it was interesting enough to want to learn because it changes and it's, um, I don't know, it's fine. And then throughout the years, I've heard Clash songs here or there. Nothing has ever like stood out to me because I've just never been like that into uh, this era of punk music until very Mm -hmm. recently. And then when we first started collecting the vinyls, when I got all of my stuff, I got from a family friend, and he uh, he gave it to my mom, and then my mom gave it all to me. And that had, that that was when like all the Ramon stuff was in there, all the Grateful Dead stuff was in there. Oh yeah, yeah. And then like an early pressing of the U.S. version of the Clash, the Clash that was in there also. And so, I going through all of the records, there was a, a lot of Elvis Costello, which I got rid of because I just don't like. But the Clash, the Clash, Clash, I I liked it. I thought it was really good, and I really enjoyed it, and so I kept it, and I still have it. And so, like my actual true origin stories, when we started collecting the vinyls, that's when I really gave them credence and really got into them and really listened to them more than just like the hits. As opposed mm-hmm. to that, I've probably heard maybe ten Clash songs my whole life that I've cared about or remembered, including you know yeah. Rock the Casbah and stuff like that. So. I don't know. I, I feel like my, my origin story really, really begins when we started collecting the vinyl. Because that's the time when I really paid attention to them. Uh, so I, I mean, my my origin story was, I think it was, Should I Stay or Should I Go? Maybe. I think I heard it growing up on the radio or maybe my mom played it. I, I don't really remember, but that's the earliest time I remember hearing of them was that particular song. I listened to them a bit, or I listened to the album London Calling uh, a little bit in high school. Um, but it never really like had that same, same impact on me, like corn or a lot of better bands than the clash. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, they, they've always been just kind of cool. And I never realized until honestly, until I got combat rock, maybe a year ago when I got this record, I never realized how much reggae was in their music and how much they didn't play punk rock music. It's because combat rock is, mostly not punk music it's all like reggae rockabilly some dub thrown in there there's not there's just not a lot of um not a lot of punk on this record so that that was surprising and uh yeah i mean when i really started to get into them more was was also with you with the vinyl stuff and getting combat rock uh on the vinyl um that was the thing that really kind of turned me and maybe want to do this record and i put it on our list back when i got the got the album and that's why we're here now, like over a year later, doing Combat Rock, because it's a killer fucking record, right? Yeah. 
No, it's top three clash for sure. That is six, but yeah. So let's let's get into should I stay or should I go? Let's, let's we've already played it. Uh, what do we what do we got on this one? This song's so good. It's such a banger of a song. I really I really do like this song a lot. Like it, it, for all of its overplayedness or how po- popular it is, all the hype surrounding. It's a fantastic song. It is so simple. It's so simple. It's so effective. It is just a good punk rock song through and through. Yeah. Especially when it picks up that chorus yeah, when the drums pick up and everything. Yeah. It's too good. Every, it's way everybody too loves good. a good little little double time there. Come on. And the Spanish <laughs> parts, like dude, stupid fun. <laughs> stupid. And Mick Jones sings the the lead on this song too. Joe Strummer does not sing the lead. So that, that's a love. fun little fact. Yeah, yeah I, I know. That. I know. Strummer, yeah, I just it's it's he's hard for me sometimes. I he's kind of annoying. He's kind of it's annoying. Like, it's like he tries really hard to be this overly obnoxious too, sometimes with the singing. That yeah, definitely, definitely. But yeah, that that riff too, and and it's so it's so fun because you play that just, just that that main riff, and then you hit the um, you hit the uh, the strings above the uh, dude. Why I'm having a brain fart? Mm. You know what I'm talking about? What like the neck, the neck, like over by the head? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You just hit those, and it just sounds so. It's so it's so dumb for a band in 1976 or 1982 at this point. To do something like that and to make it a part of a song, it's kind of, it's kind of progressive, actually. Something so stupid, but yeah, it's killer stuff, man. Killer stuff, and of course the double time. It's, it's fucking do, great. This is my this, this is my two B. This is my three B. That's where it sits for me. So Rock the Casbah so, is your one B. Okay. Well, That's we'll fine. see. That's fine. So, do we have any stinkers on this record? No. No stinkers. No. Same here. No stinkers. Um, not every song is a banger for me, which, you know, is the truth, right? Yeah. I, I think I have like seven bangers. Maybe eight Yeah, bangers. I got eight bangers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Should I stay or should I go? I, I mean, I feel like this song has been talked about so much and heard so much. What more can we say, really? I mean, lyrically, I feel like this is one of the weakest songs on the record. Uh, it's just about being sick of being teased by a girl that you're trying to get with in the relationship and he just wants to know if he should just end it if she just wants to end it or if she's going to continue to tease him it's like very simple and basic i don't think it's anything deeper than that it's funny because like people have been have been forever trying to decipher what this means who is this about is it about a specific person but then like mick jones has said no just we try to write a cool punk rock song and this is what happened and it's like well i don't believe that but okay you can pretend like you're cooler than this song, but obviously this is about somebody. It has to be. Well, people have also said that it's about him. He wrote it about himself leaving the band. Yeah. Because that at this point they because I mean he left the band right after this, this record, and he uh, they were they were all fighting during the making of this. Like they they had they stayed in separate hotels when they recorded it, and they were doing a lot of things separately. And he was on the outs. So some people speculate that's what it's about. It's about him leaving. But he says no. It's just a cool punk rock song that we wrote to be timeless. And that's what we have to believe because that's what he said. Even though I don't, I I believe, don't, I don't believe that. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe that at all. I believe everything he says. Mick Jones, who? Yeah, so that's my 2B. <laughs> what, is, what, is your, what is your 1B then? Are you ready for this? Dude, I don't know. Are you ready for this one? 
probably some stupid. Uh, it's, it's a ghetto defendant. Ghetto defendant. That's my one B. Wow, that's where does that one sit for you? Is that really your one B? I swear to God, that's my one B. This song me blew me away. Surprised. Color me surprised. <laughs> the, the song be, blew you be, me you're away. Becoming the like first a poet, dude. You are. You're becoming like a poet, man. <laughs> that's no. Wow. I wouldn't go that far. Wow! 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 Yeah. Wow. This is um. This is also my one B. There you go. I knew it. I knew this was going to be your 1B as well. Yeah. Dude, I've never even heard this song that. before That's until like obviously shit. we got this album here. But yeah, dude, absolutely I'm a sucker for this shit, dude. This, I love this song so much. This is my favorite Clash song. It really is. This is my really? favorite. Yeah, this is a perfect raga song, man. This is so good. <laughs> <laughs> Allen Ginsberg, he's <laughs> so perfect worst. here. That's how, they, that's, the that's how we talk. I wonder, like, if I could do Jamaican accent who was speaking in the Queen's English, but with a Jamaican accent. You know what I mean? Ooh, that'd be tough. I don't think you could do it. I don't think I could do it either. I don't even know how I don't even think Jamaican people that. can do it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough one to combine. You it's, can't do it. It's impossible. Story. I'm not going to do it. Not it's impossible. Yeah, you should I'll, really try that. I'd really love to hear it. For sure, not going to try that. Come on. I'll, pr- I'll practice it. I'll come back. I'll practice it. I'll come back. Mon. <laughs> you circle, like you around, circle around. If you just say "mon" at the end of something, then people know you're you're speaking Jamaican. You're Jamaican me crazy. You're speaking Jamaican. Speaking <laughs> speaking Jamaican. <laughs> That's like, oh my god, dude! That sounds so stupid and so bad. Oh god. I think like I think like I think like uh, Jamaica was a part of or their like England owned Jamaica up until like the '60s anyway. Pretty sure. Was it or was it France? I'm pretty no, no. It was for sure. It was for sure England. I mean, that was part of like the whole migration of of Jamaicans to England, right? I feel, I feel like Skip like told us ta- taught us this shit. I feel like I feel like after the war, England mm-hmm. just Wait, didn't have uh, World War Two. England didn't have mm-hmm. people to work, or maybe it was World War One. I. I don't know. One of the wars, one of the fucking many wars that continuously happen all the time. England just didn't mm-hmm. have workers, and so they 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 solicited one of their their properties Jamaica and they brought him over on like a boat and he mentioned like a specific boat that brought over like the first wave of Jamaicans to come work in in England and then uh, that's why there's a massive population I think like the biggest population outside of the United States of Jamaicans like on earth uh, besides you Jamaica know, obviously <laughs> yeah. you know I don't think it was skip I think it was when we did rage against the pod when we did rap pod and we were talking about that the the white riot. I think it was the white riot episode, and we were talking about that that festival that they do every year in England. Do you remember that? I can't even remember uh, the name of the no. festival now, but it's a Jamaican festival to like honor uh, the Jamaican people. And there was like a big riot at one of them, and that's what white riot was about. Was it, oh. it was it was inspired by that particular riot? You don't remember that at all. Not to tell, not from a Jedi. No, I don't remember that at all. Actually, I, I have no recollection. <laughs> That's probably what of it's that. from. That's probably what it's from. I, I, That's what you're remembering. I don't think. I, I just remember it. at some point we questioned, like, why? Why is there such a massive population of Jamaicans in England? And and it's it spurred either. I think somebody came out and told us what was going on, what happened, and then we uh, did minimal research as we usually do, and then it, it you know that I retained <laughs> that information somewhat. Yeah, somewhat half ass, half assly. Yeah, for sure it's half. half. I can't, I can't retain all information. Okay, I'm not a fucking robot. Okay. Well, you should. 
you should. All right. Anyway, let, let, let's get back. Let's get back to uh, to yeah, to ghetto defend. Ghetto defend. Like what the fuck? Do you what? How are you? How do your ears like this? Are you are you changing? Are you are you advancing? I you, I like Allen Ginsberg's. I like the way he he speaks. I think he has a very commanding way of speaking. That's not like violent sounding or I don't. It's hard to explain. It's really hard to explain. He's an OG punker, man. He was pissing people off long before. Fucking two live crew long before Twisted Sister, long before anybody. Yeah. I actually read a <sighs> funny line from from uh, the the Howl was like his his poem or collection of poems that was a hot topic, and I read a, a line that I thought was really funny, and it was just an excerpt, just completely taken out of context. But the line is, "Who sweetened the snatches of a million girls?" And I just I thought that was so goddamn funny. Who sweetened the snatches of a million girls? That's the line. That's it. What does that even mean, dude? It means everything and it means nothing. <laughs> Why does it sound familiar? Like Rage Against the Machine did. Those are lyrics in like a Rage song, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I don't, maybe I'm I don't thinking think of Rage has ever else. been like sexual. No, like, I mean they highly had it, political, but, but yeah. yeah. Alan Ginsberg, though, dude, he's a cool dude, very progressive, and just overall rights for any marginalized group, but. But the guy was a huge right. supporter of Nambla and essentially a closet pedophile. Like, absolutely. So there's that. I didn't so know that. That's weird. I didn't, I actually did not know that. Yeah. He's a I did not look weirdo. into that, but that's fucking disgusting. He, he masked, terrible. he masked like his support for Nambla in that it was like, well, they can have their free speech just like anybody else. But then, like he just he, like took it just too far, and and people were just kind of like, okay, bro, like you just you're just kind of disgusting. So you know, yeah, there's that. There, there, yeah, there's some things that are just too off limits, and that's one of them. Yeah, that really weird. is. <laughs> it's Bizarre. that's terrible. What are you doing? Yeah. Okay, so this yeah, this whole Allen Ginsberg thing and and the whole pedophile thing that that's gross. That's I just I had no idea, but. That really changes my whole view on him because I really liked his part in this song, but it's yeah, it's, that kind of spoils it a bit. He he really was like a, a a front runner and and just like let me be, let me do me type of work, right? Just very libertarian, mm-hmm. very very progressive thinking. Um, I think that's that's one blemish, and I mean that's just one article. And as far as I know, he was never convicted he was never accused of anything so um i mean for whatever just kind of playing devil's advocate i guess i don't know that's what he kind of made it seem like he was a a a member of nambla because every group deserves a a freedom of speech type of thing which which you you think like on the surface yeah that's true like everyone freedom of speech doesn't just apply to people that agree with you or whatever but then like I don't know. I don't. I don't want to get too far into it. But if, but like if you read into it, there's some really disgusting fucking things that he said, and he was backing, and it's like, bro, I'm all for freedom of speech, but uh, that's nasty. Yeah, you could still cross a, a, a line of decency, with your freedom of speech. But and Nambla, like, how the fuck does that even exist on this <laughs> earth? That's, Come on, it's unbelievable. Are you fucking kidding me? It says it's, it says it's been around since the seventies, late seventies. 
I'm afraid to like look into it too much. Like I don't want to get like yeah, because then like fucking Google's gonna be like, oh, look at this pervert piece of shit. I feel like I need to like if I'm gonna like do any research on anything like this, I need to like go to the library, do a burner account, dude. God damn, wear a hat, glasses, put a mask on, cover up the camera, cover the camera up. I'm like, dude, it's just it's unreal that this even fucking exists on Earth. It's fucking absolutely disgusting. Whatever, but yeah, Ghetto Defendant. This is my one B, like for sure. This is this this is amazing. This song, it really is. This song like does build slightly to like that short lived punk rock moment, but overall, yeah. it's 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 just uh, I don't know. It's cool, man. It's just and it it's sounds cool, dude. <laughs> it sounds so cool when uh, when Alan just kind of talks over Joe Strummer singing, like. It just it's just perfectly blended together. On top of that, you know, there's some real cool percussion, especially with the cowbell, great groove, and then of course the melodica. I mean, I'm a I'm a sucker yeah, for the melodica. Sure. You're all about it now. I love melodica. I've always loved it, but more recently, I've just become obsessed with it. Like I was obsessed with the the vibraphone or the xylophone. It just if if I hear it in a song, I'm I instantly love it. It's it's such a simple, simple, cool instrument. The way, um, yeah. the way they chop up like Ginsburg's voice and and Ginsburg's voice, it almost sounds robotic, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it really does sound like it's robotic, and I think it kind of is. I think it is chopped up a little bit because I've I've seen and I've heard, and then I watched him speak this week, and he does have a very he has he has a great commanding voice. He has a fantastic yeah. poetry voice when he speaks, and he wants you to listen. Then you'll fucking listen. But it's not robotic like it is here. But I like that. I, I I like that they they did whatever whatever production trick they did to make it sound like that. I dig. It's like modulated almost. It's choppy, modulated. It's it's weird. And yeah. I, his his he's supposed to be like the voice of God on this particular song. The lyrics are supposed to be the voice of God. I don't know how that kind of translates into a robot thing. I tried to like make some sort of like social commentary like on religion but i couldn't really that works i don't know because i couldn't come up with anything any criticism straight up criticism if you think like like to the uh, the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy right and you're building a supercomputer that can that can answer any question and it it, it knows everything in a godlike sense and it spits out you know 42 and that's the whole thing that comes out of it but I don't know yeah. that there's, there's nothing wrong with with thinking that God could just be a computer, you know. Simulation World theory simulation. exists. That yeah. is a thing that people believe. Could be true. I believe. You never know. I'm a staunch supporter of it. <laughs> and I'm I'm looking it up right now. Like Hitchhiker's Guide came out 1978. Yeah, 1978. Wow. So it was right before. So I mean, maybe maybe this song was inspired by Hitchhiker's Guide. I don't know. Hitchhiker's Guide is so know. good. I've only, I've never read the book. I've only seen the movie, but I love the movie so much. The movie's great. So good. Yeah, the movie's great. The the book is. I mean, like most things, the book is usually better than the movie. It's rare when a movie's better. Um, but I just don't. I just don't read books. So. Yeah, I know you hate reading. <laughs> I do. I fucking can't stand <laughs> reading. Except for the pod, I like reading uh, of like about all these groups that we do for the pod. Like I read so much about these f- stupid bands and. Yeah, but you're not reading like weird. a book. I, I I think your problem is, are, is with books. It's not reading; it's books. You have you have some sort of animosity yeah. towards books. No, you're right. Like I would never <laughs> do this kind of research pre 
internet Wikipedia. Like I would never hit the library <laughs> and go to the actual encyclopedia section and read about and cite your bands. sources. Yeah, yeah, I would never fucking do that. That's stupid. <laughs> I don't read books. Yeah, there would be no pod if there was no internet. So I would just make shit up. But yeah, man, <laughs> get a defendant. Um, what do you what do you want? You want to talk uh, about it? You want to play yeah, it? Let's, you want let's lyrics play, let's play it? What do you want to do? Let's play it a bit, and then we'll get into the lyrics. So uh, here it is, Ghetto Defendant from uh, The Clashes. Starved in Metropolis. Hooked on Necropolis. Addict of Metropolis Do the worm on Necropolis Slam dance Cosmopolis Enlighten the populace a full album of, of this can you imagine how good of a record that would be a dub album with with Strummer and Allen Ginsberg fuck that would be so sick I, I I love I dude I love the way that like Strummer is is just secondary by far secondary to like yeah, Ginsberg's yeah. reading it's like a like a child so fucking like good. trying to keep up with like a, a an advanced individual it's it's crazy <laughs> It's crazy fucking good. Oh my gosh, it's it's amazing. I even love like I mean, the it, guitar riff. Like yeah. I, I like the guitar riff. It's slow. It's stupid. It exists to support the bass line and to fill some dead air. But it's yeah. kind of weird. It's kind of ethereal and, and dreamy. Yeah, it's I like did. instead of instead they use the guitar rather than using like a keyboard or something like that to yeah. fill in that dead space. Because most dub music would be would be different. I mean, obviously percussion, but also like different synths or keyboards or something or an organ to fill in that dead space. But the the, the way he utilized the, the guitar was excellent. And ah, dude, that that bass line is so dub. It's just it's the epitome of dub music. It's, I love it's, it's I love the genre so much. It's yeah. This is, dude, this is I, I'm this is my favorite class song. Honestly, this is I think this is unreal. This is unbelievable. I've never heard anybody talk about this ever. And yeah. I've heard, like growing up, when people talk about the Clash, 
I don't recall anybody ever like mentioning or bringing up like the reggae stuff, the dub stuff, the ska stuff, any of it. It's always, yeah, it's always the punk stuff. The punk stuff. And like, even they did the that punk well. Stuff isn't like super punky though. That's the thing too. Like it's never been aggressive punk music. Like the farthest from aggressive punk music. It's just always been a little bit faster, closer to these, rock and roll than anything else. I would think like none of these guys really like the big three were very aggressive in tone. For yeah. better or for worse, the Sex Pistols, I guess, were the most aggressive looking out of them but all. The Ramones had the most aggressive sound. Yeah, but I mean, even that was. It was only because they they just boring. because Johnny Ramone fucking just played downstrokes the whole time, power chord downstrokes made that made it heavier. But otherwise, yeah, they're not they're not a super heavy band. No, um, but but this song, this particular song, Ghetto Defended, it was recorded three times. It was recorded uh, the, uh, during the initial run of this record when the the record was actually originally it had a working title of Rap Patrol from Fort Bragg. And so they, they recorded it at that time. They recorded it a second time um, just just as part of the main sessions. And then they recorded it a third time, but I don't know exactly when. And then the, the version that, that ended up being on the record was the original from the Rap Patrol um, sessions. So it's kind of weird. They, three times, but yet you still go back to the first version. <laughs> but uh, I do like the I names for the other versions, right. too. I, I think those are cool names. What were the other names? The, the what have you just said? The uh, oh, the re- the Rat Patrol from Fort Bragg. Is yeah, that what it was. Yeah, yeah, I like I like I like those names. I think that's a cool name. <laughs> it is cool. That would have been like a way cooler name than Combat Rock. Combat Rock. Combat Rock is it's so cheesy. Like in retrospect, it's, it's, at the it's time so, it was probably really cool. It's so like village people sounding. It just it's stupid. <laughs> yeah. It's stupid. Oh, it's great. Anyway, let, let's let's get into the lyrics real quick. What, what do you got on this one? I got so like I think this is about life in a ghetto. Um, mm-hmm. uh, ghetto defendant, kind of in like the forgotten, downtrodden, drug-ridden ghettos. I think the title "Ghetto Defendant" references uh, like somebody in court, right? The defendant is someone, someone accused, and and it fits with this like self-fulfilling prophecy of of individuals from slums to be born in some areas you are already deemed as having done something wrong and you spend your life just trying to crawl out of that of that stigma just to even get to neutral ground. Mm-hmm. You know, you're born in like East LA, you're born in like Harlem, you are automatically a type of person and therefore yeah. your entire upbringing is becoming that person because that's all you know. That's what people tell you. So you... You therefore be it. You you are what people tell you to do and whatever. I don't know. You're a product of your environment. And the chorus here, yeah. like it plays with the idea of, of like the CIA involvement in drug trafficking. When you live in a ghetto mm-hmm. where your own government is actively trying to keep you down, it's not the threat of violence from police, you know, stemming from protests that keep you down. Like that, That's not what happens. And that's what he says in the chorus. It's the long term like intentional sabotage by mm-hmm. your own people trying to keep you down and that's I don't know man I I think this this song is fantastic I think Ghetto Defendant is such a cool title it perfectly captures what is trying to be said here and it's it's a problem that that is even more relevant today than like ever and they did it you know what is that 40 years ago yeah, yeah. 40 years ago this year 
Oh, that's true, huh? I actually looked at my watch as if my watch told me the year. It's like, why the fuck would your watch (laughs) tell you the year? (laughs) I I did look at my watch, though. I will. Yeah, 40 years, dude. 40 (laughs) years ago, like the class you're talking about, about problems that that have not been solved and are worse than ever. Yeah. And it's something that we weren't like here in the States. I feel like didn't really come to a head until the early nineties until I guess the Watts rack were were kind of a part of that, but that was in the seventies obviously. But I mean, I, I don't think it was until like the Rodney King thing where we started to really take notice of like what was really happening in the bad areas of LA or the, the more downtrodden areas of LA. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's, but it's, it's, I don't know. It's good. interesting. It's, it's a fun. great fucking song. I, I I love the lyrics and that 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 first I guess I, I guess verse from Ginsburg where it he says starved in Metropolis, hooked on Necropolis, addict of Metropolis, do the worm on the Acropolis, slam dance the Cosmopolis, enlighten the populace. This perfectly, this is like perfect world building. Like he's setting up the entire song with just this verse of what you're going to be expecting on throughout the rest of the song and what he describes i mean starved in the metropolis he talks straight up about homelessness and not being able to eat necropolis talks about you know death from drugs or whatever crazy thing addict of metropolis you know kind of goes in line with the drugs and it's just the you his word usage is just it's so fucking it's spot on great great world building in this fucking song i love it so good absolutely love this song but I don't know. We got anything else on on uh, Ghetto Defendant? No, that's uh, that's it. That's all. All right. So, what do you got for your number two? Your your two B. My two B was was uh, should I stay or should I go? Oh, that's right. Should I stay or should I go now? <laughs> that was great. Uh, my uh, my number two is Know Your Rights. The opening. Oh, thank, thank God it is not Rock the Casbah. <laughs> Good you song. want to know where Rock the Casbah is for me? Though? Yeah, I do. It's my 7B. Okay, that's fair. Uh, know Your Rights, 2B, first song. This is a, this is like, this is a great opener because it, it kind of gets you pumped up. It has that punk beat, um, some cool like rockabilly reverb guitar going on. It's kind of played sporadically throughout the song. And it's kind of all held together with a kind of ska guitar line, like heavily distorted ska guitar line. And it just, it just, kind of it just gets you going it's there's nothing super complicated about it i just think it's a great great opener great song yeah i i so this is this is not this is not a b for me this is an okay song but um Mm. this was a b and i I downgraded it to an okay song actually okay um i i like this song though i love this bass line staccato shit as usual right yeah fucking same thing clash does but then I at least hear the adding those three little notes at the at the end of the doo doo doo, so that's that's cool, and they do cool stuff with like the two guitars, like the the, the tremolo sound and the upstroke guitar. There's a good mm-hmm. contrast there. There's a good layering, and I like if you're gonna have two guitars, like why just make one a rhythm? Like why does one just have to be a rhythm guitar where you just palm muting fucking power chords? Like that is that irritates me. Take Mac Sunny does it a lot. <laughs> fucking bothers yeah. me. I just like. Why even do it then? Just just put a machine there. Like call it a day. Like, expand <laughs> your mind, and that's what this does. That's exactly what this does. This is being better. This is being greater than that. And little guitar solo here. That's cool mm-hmm. too. It's yeah. nice and slow. Yeah. It's kind of like fifties rock and roll, like country thing to it, like that rockabilly stuff. It's yeah, cool. A lot of this song has. I that. dig it. 
and it's it's very kind of subtle too i mean yeah the guitar solo is not subtle but everything leading up to it is very kind of you don't really notice it unless you're really listening yeah which i think is rad and strummer can really like rasp out the vocals he sounds great and he fluctuates like the tone of his voice a lot he's just pretty interesting to listen to and never stops fucking yelling either just constantly talking loudly yeah but it's yeah he talk yeah it's it's not yelling it it's talking loudly in an obnoxious way that's what it is because like i said he's he's the weakest part of the band his vocals oh really is the weakest part of the band i mean and the guitars the yeah guitars, the guitar the guitars the guitars strummer. and vocals are, are yeah yeah for yeah I agree, I agree definitely my least favorite parts but the drumming the drumming overall on this record really surprised me i, I never thought that it was it was this uh I don't want to say intricate, but interesting. He's just tight. He, it's very tight. It's very, it's very, he uses a lot of toms, which I don't really like a lot, but he does it in a very good way where he mixes it up with other percussive instruments, you know, cowbells, wood blocks, um, just various things. And it just, it just sounds really good. And it, it gives, it gives an com- entirely different feel to some of the songs than doing a normal, like four on the floor beat. Yeah. But, Damn man, good stuff. Um, what do you got lyrically on? Because I mean, we don't have to play it since it's not a B for you. Okay. Um, what, what do you got lyrically on this one? This one was kind of cool because, um, so for one, it's like presented in this kind of of like tyrant way. I, I read this as as like Joe is the person telling everybody else um, that they are are shitty people and they're the worst, and it's just like social commentary on the state of the underclass of England. And now we have mm-hmm. Joe. He's he's belting out these these rights, these rights that that you have that he's allowing you to have, and he lists off the rights one, two, three. But each right is uh, is is um, is is presented in such a sarcastic way that again, yeah. still still hold water today, like still hold true today, like nothing has fucking changed. And it's I don't know. It's kind of scary, man. It's it's kind of scary to think that that like these these are the problems people people thought of in the in the late 70s to early 80s and here we are tearing our country apart from the inside because these same exact problems yeah. have not been have not been resolved in any way shape, i mean or it form. goes it goes back even further than that i mean post-world war ii you know sure. in the 50s i mean this is kind of where people really started talking about it. i mean as cheesy as it is you know 1984 the book was just based on like so many things that we've been dealing with for the last 30 years, 30, 40 it's, years. It's because the sixties jaded us with this, this hippie movement with this, with this holding hand thing. And then like the social commentary during, during like the sixties wasn't as aggressively straightforward. It was more eclectic. It was more beat around the bush, but it wasn't like, let's attack an institution. It was more like, let's, let's join hands to just be together type of thing. Mm-hmm. It was more of like a like a defense rather than an offense, and so like the seventies yeah. came and the seventies was super super hard, man. It was it was hard rocking and it was fine. And so we we think that things have progressed and like the civil rights movement and we think things have progressed since then. And it has a little bit. It really has a little bit, but yeah, not really. It's not perfect. It's far from perfect, but it's definitely better now than it was. In 1965, 1964. Yeah, you you'd think I mean, that you don't you don't just get beat up by uh, I don't know by by authority figures just for for minding your own business and looking different. You you think that doesn't happen today? 
Uh, I mean, it does. Unfortunately, it does. It, yeah, it's fucking terrible. Uh, this is, uh, yeah, but no, it's, yeah, it's cool. No, you're right. It's but lyrically, I I, I kind of get the same thing as you. It, it's very sarcastic. It's kind of it's him kind of mocking the people, saying, you know, yeah, you have rights, but uh, under these conditions, you know, there, there's always a catch to to everything. You're you're constantly fed like you you have the right to every right to do everything. You have you have freedom. You have this and that. But when you really kind of think about it, everything's controlled. Everything we do is controlled. And uh, yeah, so I I, th- I think the lyrics. I was very very pleasantly surprised by the lyrics on this entire record. I didn't. I never realized Strummer was this uh, kind of proficient or prolific. Yeah, aggressive of a of a lyricist. I I never. I mean, yeah, we did the clamp down. We did clamp down and we did White Riot on the other podcast. But I feel like there are so- so many songs on this record that are way more intense than those two songs for sure. So, I don't know. And, and it really is fun. Yeah. I mean, now, now is a good time to talk about this, like the sellout aspect of the Clash and how much shit they take and and took for like selling out, yeah. for signing big labels, for big big record deals, for making money, for selling a million albums. And it's like, dude, they never changed. I mean, this is what they're. This is their fifth album. No. Yeah. Yeah. If this is their fifth album. They they had never changed like their their ideals and, and their their the way they think ever like to the day they were done like they they still voiced their opinions on things on injustices and they, they from day fucking one they've done more for for the scene as you want to call mm-hmm. it the scene for than like most bands ever would do the sex pistols yeah. for sure the ramones come on that's silly boy talk like the clash calling them sellouts is just is just gatekeeping and fucking dumb yeah, because and it, it's it, and it just stupid. shows fucking stupid. It shows how superficial uh, punk music. I mean, it still is, but it's especially at the time how superficial the whole thing was. Because you know what the Clash talk about in their lyrics is far more significant and thought provoking than anything the Sex Pistols did. Definitely the Sex Pistols and a lot of the shit that the Ramones Ramones did. I mean, everything that they those two bands sing about was just so just you know, snotty and just like immature and bratty, but the clash actually, like, it's like they, they did their research, you know, and they had things to complain about. And rightfully so it's to call them a sellout is just shows how stupid punk music or pu- the whole punk culture is. It's so obnoxious. Yeah. It's, it's gross. And it, it still, it still happens. And, and oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's gross, especially when you're young. You know, when when you're when you're 15, 16 years old, and you're one of those punk elitist kids. Like, fuck that. It's like, <laughs> it sh- it just made it just makes the whole punk scene even more stupid and ridiculous. There was this knowing kid, that um, it's a bunch of snotty fourteen year old kids. Yeah, there was we there was a dishwasher at our work who was seventeen. He quit now. He doesn't work there anymore. But yeah. he uh, he listened to a lot of like punk music, and he was seventeen. He's in a band. And I like try and talk to him just about like any fucking music, and but he only wanted to talk about punk. Was like that's fine. I we'll talk about punk, I guess. Mm-hmm. So then I would ask him like the first. I remember the first time I ever talked to him, he was listening to something. I don't remember what it was. And I was like, "Hey, who is this?" And he told me I never heard of him before. And then we got to talking. And I was like, "Oh yeah, like you you ever hear like JFA?" He's like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think I've heard of him. I heard they suck though." I was like, "Okay, that's cool." <laughs> And then immediately he just like rattles off like ten bands. You ever heard of Anal Cut? You ever heard of this? You ever heard of this? I'm like, whoa! First of all, slow down. 
I can't even like are you just flexing your prowess on underground punk bands that no one's ever heard of? <laughs> or are you actually asking me if I've heard of these bands before? <laughs> and it's just like this is this is like your stereotypical punker, like a kid that just yeah. prides themselves on not wanting to learn, not wanting to be a part of like the solution, but more just be a gatekeeper fucking shithead. Yeah. It and that's annoying. I mean that that's that's punk. It's just trying to be so different from everybody else but in the end you're just conforming to something something in the end nobody is com- entirely different and independent it's just another way of conforming no, so we, shared, we shared fucking 96 percent of our dna to monkeys and apes like who do you think you're different then basically monkeys we're idiots mm-hmm. stupid it's true very true get over it all right so what, what's your uh what's your 3b why do i not have a 3b here that is weird. Oh no, Adam Tan. Oh, Adam. Oh, oh, Adam Tan. Adam Tan. I love the I love the title of that song. Adam it's, Tan. It's very kind of thought provoking. I love it. Took me a minute. Like it, honestly, it took me a minute to figure out what the fuck an Adam Tan was. And uh, <laughs> I've come to the conclusion. I don't know if you had the same thing, but this is a reference to like radiation skin from nuclear war. Yeah. You can. Yeah. You, but like I read it over and I'm, what the fuck is like an atom tan? I was trying to get like really microscopic, like atoms, tan, like cosine, like mathematical terms. But then when it dawned on me, I was like, oh, that's that's funny. I like that. I dig that. Yeah, that's cute. See, I I kind of got the I kind of got something similar. Um, that like atom tan, I I I made that connection between you know atomic warfare and all that. But then I feel like it's the song lyrically is a build up to that point. Like it's it's him watching the superficial world just kind of destroy itself because at the time that was when global warming was kind of introduced to society. And that's when people were talking about the ozone layer being depleted and and all that kind of stuff. And and the UV lights, you know, just killing people. So I, I feel like it's a commentary on that and saying how people don't care about the environment. They just they're they just want the next best thing. They're very. They want the instant gratification at at the expense of the environment and just the human race in general, which eventually leads to, you know, more, you know, more warlike kind of things. You know, because yeah. people start fighting over oil and and all kinds of shit, and that leads to damaging the planet more. I think like the so song. I feel like it's a kind of commentary on that. The song builds itself up really well. Like it starts with like corporate warfare and. and and taking advantage of people in the beginning to like a politician yeah. getting caught lying like to the war itself. Like there's, there's talks of the war itself and the song ends with like the casualties and all along he talks about the Adam tan and in the beginning, like when nuclear warfare is kind of like brought up, it's, it's always oh, like that's an option and then it becomes like a reality and then it becomes like it happened and then, like, what happens after it happened? I don't know. Then it becomes, like, an aftermath type of thing. So when he keeps throwing mm-hmm. out, like, the Adam Tan, it's progressing in intensity as the song progresses in intensity. And it's yeah. it's a cool song because it's so simple. Me Like, musically, it's so simple. And it, yeah. it really allows for, like, the attention to be directed to the vocal melody and the lyrics. And that's... Which is definitely the most important part. That's, like, what I want. The back and forth vocals fucking so goddamn good there's a lot of things on this album that i realized are very similar to like the velvet underground when we did that okay. there's a lot of like the the poetic stuff the back and forth stuff the they're just reading lyrics type of thing 
that that reminds me of like the Velvet Underground, and I like that because I love the Velvet Underground. That was a good episode. <laughs> when the it was, uh, a, it was a really good episode. When the bass matches the vocal melody here, that's like that's when like my knees buckle. Like I just I lost it. <laughs> it was so good. Buckles. <laughs> Adam right, Tan, um, baby. Should we play a little bit of it, of Adam Tan? Play whatever you want. It's your pod. I don't know. All right, let's do it. Let's play a little bit of the song <clears throat> Adam Tan from uh, The Clash. Now the corporation stop. Stop pushing forward. Been a multiple shooting. Downtown at the bank. Reluctantly to panic. Because the cat But it did not affect. The steady style of job. Oh, the state of his look. It looked like Hollywood. With makeup bleeding over the cracks. Whoa, he blew his line. Facing the camera, he suffered the first. All right, heart attack. There you go, Adam Tan from the Clash. Some of the some great fucking lyrics, man. I'm I'm just I'm so I'm I can't say it enough. I'm so pleasantly surprised by his lyrics on this yeah. record. They're they're yeah. top notch, really top notch. Because they kind of like they kind of, of of blur the line between like lyricist and just like poet. You know what I mean? Like just yeah, abstract yeah. poetry mixed with somebody who's trying hard to write a good catchy song there's somewhere in the middle and um without doing like a deep dive into london calling or the clash is the clash like this is just like really top-notch stuff for a yeah, fucking absolutely. punk band like this is top-notch stuff that i think the only i mean off the top of my head the only other two bands we've done on the podcast or three three bands we've done on the podcast that really kind of blew me away lyrically were run the jewels when we did rtj4 uh, when we did that Thrice record, um, Artist and Ambulance, and when we did Atreyu's Suicide Notes and, but- and Butt Kisses. <laughs> like the the lyrics, like all three of them, I mean, obviously Run the Jewels is, their social commentary is just so spot on, but it's a little bit more in your face. It's more literal. But the way that, that Thrice and, and Atreyu did on that, that record, I don't know, man. It, it, I was really surprised, really fucking surprised. Bands you don't expect to be deep are m- way way deeper than than anything. But I don't. I don't, know. This is, I don't this remember like the the Atreyu one that much, but I remember the Thrice one being not not really like with what he was saying, the message he was conveying. But it's like the way he said it, the way he yeah, used yeah. words to mean other things or dance around a topic. I thought was just really really eloquent. It was, it was that. And- 
and like the stories he referenced, like a lot of biblical things that he would reference. I mean, obviously neither of us are very religious people, uh, but the way that he referenced it wasn't like ever in a preachy way. It was just to ref. I don't know, he, he, dude. Dustin, great lyricist, great fucking lyricist, and killed it on that record. And Suicide Notes and Butt Kisses on that record. It, I mean, all the songs were about love and just like being brokenhearted. But the way that Alex wrote the lyrics were very kind of. They were very, they were extremely poetic, and they were kind of very up to the interpretation. And I really liked that. And I never realized that Alex was that good of a lyricist. I, I really, really enjoyed it. And dude, he, Atreyu made that record when they were like twenty, twenty-one years old. I know it's, it's fucking, dumb. it's crazy. I, it, I don't know. But anyway, back to uh, this Clash record. Did you, Great lyrics. Did you just rub your hands together? I did. You heard that? <laughs> Why are you rubbing <laughs> your hands together? What are you doing? I just get excited. Are you plotting? Are you, like, you scheming? Like, what's going on? I am. What are you... <laughs> 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 fucking rubs his hands together. I can't believe you heard that. I heard it. I do it all the time. I do it all the fucking time. Why do you do it? I don't know. It's a fucking habit. It's a weird habit I have. Like, like do you do it when You've you're never excited? Seen me do it? I don't I just, think so. I do it all the time. I do it all the time. Like, I oh, clap my hand together the once. Yeah, like, I, I literally hey. just did that with my hands. Like, I rub them together and I clap like that. I've seen you clap, but like, that's always like when we're leaving, you go, well, Let's go. Like that's <laughs> that type of thing. Yeah, I do that a lot too. But I, I do the, the hand rubbing thing too, yeah. Always do it. Okay, fucking weird, but all right. <laughs> Whatever, I don't give a fuck. I'm cool as shit. Yeah, um, that's why you rub your hands together. Only the cool kids do it. You wouldn't know. That's uh, true. So what do you got for, that was your, Adam Tan was your three? Uh, yeah, that was my right. 3B. Okay, so my 3B was should I stay or should I go? Should uh, I what do you stay got for your? Should I go now? Great stuff. So, what do you got for your number four? Number four B is my Straight to Hell. Straight to Hell. Yeah, they MIA cover that they did. Yeah, <laughs> they totally ripped <laughs> off MIA. Uh, but Straight to Hell is my five B. Okay, so let's get into that. So let's just, I mean, right off the bat, it's hard to disassociate this from the MIA song because. I heard the MIA song before I heard this one. And so therefore, it's, just, it's always going to be that way. I'm always going to think of it as that. Yeah. Absolutely. Same um, here. It doesn't it doesn't hit as hard as the MIA one does, but it doesn't it, it doesn't intend to. It doesn't drop in the same way, obviously, but it transitions like very nicely. Everything is so dramatic on this track. It's like their anthem for this album. Yeah. Solid chorus, very catchy, very easy to pick up on. You can sing along with it the first time you hear it. And there's this cool like percussion throughout the song. Like you mentioned earlier, like the guy does a lot of cool stuff with the drum kit. And it's not just mm-hmm. about, you know, hitting the snare and then the in the bass, which is what he did in uh Should I Stay or Should I Go? That's a very basic drum track for him to do. With a little bit of toms thrown in there. That was Yeah, I nice. love oh, dude the toms during that chorus. Oh dude, it's so good. i oh, that's my favorite part of that whole song. Should I stay or should I go? Is is the Tom is the Tom play in the chorus? And it's perfect. I don't know, like, like just the just the way the song brings us back to the opening riff later on in the song. I think that's cool. It's a heavy riff, and mm-hmm. um, I don't know. The strummers like to make noise, right? That the pop 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 part, like the heavy yeah. breathing. He just he just likes to be annoying, and I like that because it's <laughs> it's tactful and it's not obnoxious. It's not done constantly. It's uh, it's good. It plays into the the concept of the song, and I dig, love the song. 
every time I hear it though, I mean, I agree with you with the whole MIA thing. And every time I hear it, I, I want to hear that, that, that kick drum come in that doom, 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 doom. Yeah. I just want to hear that come in. But when it doesn't happen, I just feel a little let down just a little bit because I want it. Then I want to listen to MIA. I don't yeah. want to listen to that song, but it's, we've been conditioned for That's, many years. That MIA song is so good, but yeah, this this guitar line is is it once again the staccato thing. Always <laughs> these fucking always guys. Staccato. Always, god damn. I know, but it's uh, it, it's excellent in, in this one, and and jumping on the the whole percussion thing, like you said, I mean, he fucking kills it on that. But there's also a lot of soundscape work on this particular record. I don't know if it's if it's like guitar effects or if it's uh, like a keyboard or synth or something. I couldn't really figure it out, but there's a lot of cool, like subtle soundscape stuff happening. And it, yeah. just, it adds, it adds a certain depth to the song that otherwise wouldn't be there because you just have that staccato guitar, but it's killer, man. So let's play a, let's play a little bit of straight to hell from the clash. So here we go. Straight to hell from <laughs> from the Clash. It's the mama 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 part is just so stupid. <laughs> it's so dumb. I laugh every time. But yeah, so what, what do we have lyrically on this song? This was uh so like before I want to backtrack a little bit when I was um like on Spotify listening to this and doing like the lyric stuff. If you type in "Straight to Hell" on Spotify, there's like a, just a bunch of different songs, like 
all the time of mm-hmm. other artists that record like the same that the same titled song, right? And so there was yeah. uh, da- like Darius Rucker has his own Straight to Hell, and then Hank mm-hmm. Williams the third had an album called Straight to Hell, and that piqued my interest because Hank Williams the third. As I've talked about before, he is he's been in or is in, in like a heavy metal band, and mm-hmm. he's also done like 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 psychobilly stuff, just really cool shit. And I listened yeah. to his song "Straight to Hell" from the album "Straight to Hell," and it's a fucking banger. So I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> is it a it's, cover or is it it's no own thing? no? It's his own thing. Okay. It's, it starts off just super slow and dumb country sounding, just the slides happening, and but then it turns into this like devil went down to Georgia fast picking, oh crazy thing, and it's 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 insane, it's insane, it's fast, it's amazing. Interesting. I'm I really want to hear that now. Yeah, Hank Williams the third. He's he's a, he's he's uh he's very interesting, very very interesting. Okay. All right. But uh, yeah, right, lyrics. What do you got lyrically on this one? Straight to hell. Um, I feel like, I mean, I don't feel like it. This song deals with immigration and the way immigrants are treated. And that's kind yeah. of the, the, the concept of what's, what's happening here. And something I never thought about until this week are, I can't remember what they call them, they, like uh, American Asians or something, like the Vietnam babies, when, when yeah. American yeah. troops would like have sex with Vietnam women and they would have babies and then they would fucking leave them. I've it's honestly so never even up. thought about something like that until this week. It's messed up. And then like it's the really way these the, the way these babies are treated because they're essentially half they, what, Americans. They're called, half, they're called like, children of dust. That's what like the Vietnamese people call them. Or the yeah. children of the dust or something like that. Yeah. It's so exactly. Sad. And it's, it's because dude, like nobody cared about them, and and they carried yeah. around pictures of their dad, right? This little snippets of of their soldier father, and if you're a soldier, you look the fucking same, except for skin color. Yeah. But like you look the same, you cut and crew cut. I mean, you look the fucking same. Like you're never gonna find yeah. your dad. So you grow up like honestly believing that nobody gives a shit about you, and your country don't they don't give a shit about you because you're you're a hybrid of of the enemy. At, at that moment and so you just you go straight to hell man that fucking sucks that's yeah it's it's so sad i, I uh I've never heard of this never even, I never even thought of this concept until this week though the only time i the the one thing that that brought this kind of idea to my attention was i think maybe a couple of years ago there, there's a podcast i listen to called radio diaries and they, they don't post that much anymore but when they do it, they're only like 15 20 to 25 minute episodes but they always like pick up like kind of obscure topics and 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 things like that, that and they talk about it and on one episode that i heard it talked about the same exact thing where this this child was born in vietnam with a u.s soldier father and then the vietnamese mother and he'd never met his father had been looking for him forever, but was never able to find him on Facebook, nothing like that. And then he eventually found him through like, you know, the 23andMe stuff. He found him through like, you know, related siblings who had also done 23andMe here in the States and come to find out he's some like Vietnam veteran, super fucking old. And he's like, he lives in like Arkansas or Alabama or something like that. And he's like, he, he, his whole life after the Vietnam war was like, he owned like a trophy shop in Alabama or some shit like that. Some super rural area. Never, this guy never knew he had a son at all. Never even knew that this girl he had sex with that was pregnant 
in the end he might have raped her who knows but um that's i mean that's like yeah, the first so, thing that came to my mind for sure yeah i mean in in that episode it didn't say anything like that but apparently this guy never knew he had a son and then they met for the first time after like 45 or 40 years or some shit like that 45 years and yet it, i mean it, it's it's fucking nuts it's just it, that but that was the first time i ever really kind of thought about it that you know yeah, they, I mean, these soldiers went in there and, and probably, I mean, they did rape a lot of people. It wasn't, it was kind of a common thing, unfortunately. And that's, they did whatever the fuck they wanted. Like, who's going to stop them? Yeah, I mean, that's a lot of war. I mean, that's not just like Vietnam War. That's, I mean, I've heard stories more recently, like, you know, the war in, Ar- in with the war in Iraq and Afghanistan. Like, there's a lot of fucked up people that, that go to war that do fucked up shit here from from the united states and from other countries too to us yeah i don't know but yeah this yeah, this is this is a sad song it was a really sad song and, and what, what was what's so to me was so interesting about this particular song is that not a lot of songwriters talk about asian immigrants they they always talk about you know african american or like you know africa africans coming to america or england or wherever or um or like you know, you know, Central America, South Americans coming up to the United States, and always talking about all that. But very rarely, or ever, do I hear a songwriter or a lyricist talk about Asian immigrants. It's very, very rare. And honestly, I think this is the first time I've ever heard anybody talk about it, at least to this extent, to focus it's a true. whole song about Asian Asian immigration and and how fucked up it is. And yeah, man, it's it's. Uh, it's really sad. Really, that's true. Sad. I don't. I don't know why. Like, I don't. I don't know why that's a, a, a group of people that don't that aren't like represented in in music because you're. I mean, we hear the the same groups of people talked about constantly, but like, why is that one in particular? I'm sure there's other ones that we're missing, but like, why is yeah. that one like never never talked about, never never sung about, never never I don't know. Brought to my, brought to the mainstay. My only my only thought on it is maybe because, you know, because a lot of like cultures, Asian cultures are much more, like, um, close knitted. Like they they don't they don't they're m- very much in their own communities when they immigrate to the United States. Like you know when you go to Garden Grove, here in in Orange County, it's primarily Vietnamese, and everything everywhere you go in Garden Grove is Vietnamese, and they're very a lot of people don't speak English or anything like it's its own little, there's even an area called little Saigon. Like it, it's that, that dense of a population of Vietnamese immigrants and everything like that. It must be something like that because they don't, they don't interact a lot with, with more Western culture or more, you know, American culture, white culture, I guess you could say. Maybe that's I mean, why it makes sense. Cause then you see like, like Italians and Italians are the same like the if if we're comparing just communities within a larger city, you know, like little Italy, there's a little Italy in almost all of the major cities. Yeah. But like Italians are, are like romanticized in film and, and music and stuff. Yeah. So it's 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 different. It is. So, I it don't is. know, man. That's that is weird. I, I honestly I never even thought about it till like just right now. Yeah, nobody really talks That's about weird. Asian immigrants. Or what they they kind of go through, but but anyway, anyway, fuck, we we really went off on a on a tangent there. But I mean, it's important to talk about because 
just to kind of recap what we, what just went on, the song Straight to Hell is about Asian right. immigrants to England, to the United States, and how shitty they're, they're treated, especially after the Vietnam War. And yeah, it's something that's never really talked about. Movies aren't made about it. TV shows, documentaries aren't really made about it very often, if at all. Um, but I mean, like, if you watch Full Metal Jacket, you can see kind of like the extent of... Yeah, of how, oh yeah. Of, of how 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 not serious we take like the 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 mistreatment of Asians. Because, yeah. Like it's I mean it's 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 a classic movie and it's timeless and it's funny but like damn dude it is not that is <laughs> not, not good. It's <laughs> yeah, it not, not good at all. That is like come on no. guys. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. All right, uh, so let, let's move on. What what do we got for straight? To, that was your four B. That was my four right? B. Yeah. Okay, straight to hell was my five B. So what do you got for your five B? What's your four B? Oh, did did I not say my four B? I don't think so. Uh, my four B is oh, inoculated city. Inoculated city. That's my five B. Yeah, this one. Um, this is a very happy almost like ethereal sounding song, very kind of poppy. The vocal melody, absolutely killer. Uh, overall, the, the song is just very simple. The The guitar line is simple. It reminds me actually a little bit of a of a Beatles song. Like it could have been a Beatles song in the mid-60s. It's, uh, it's very kind of carefree, and it's something you don't hear too often from The Clash, especially after listening through all the records this week. But then lyrically, it's like the complete opposite. It's about like a dystopian future, but the song itself, I, I think, is is really solid and it's short. I think it's like two and a half minutes or something yeah. like that. But it's it's a good song. So, what, what do you have on this one? No, so I I same thing. I think this is really fun. It's really fun. It's really lighthearted musically, and uh, it's it's kind of like the the most I don't know, the most carefree sounding song on the album. It's yeah, just yeah, not really much to it. But yeah, man, the lyrics are fucking dope. And then I didn't. I mean, I don't have that pressing, because I I've I've uh, this, and then I have the Clash is the Clash on the vinyls, but mm-hmm. I guess on early pressings of this, it had the, a commercial on it, where it interrupted, like the music halfway through, and it would be like a commercial about like toilets or some shit. No, it was and, on the spot. It was on Spotify too. Yeah, but not on my. I didn't listen on Spotify. Oh, oh, I'm oh, sorry, I, did I didn't hear Spotify, you say that. Uh, but like, like, so the point of it was to, to, I don't know, make us start thinking, make us talk about something and then interrupt us with, with, uh, you know, the ADD culture, whatever people call it, like the squirrel from, um, up the movie up. Oh yeah. Yeah. When you go squirrel to, to distract us. And it's, uh, it's good. It's kind of funny because it's, it's true. Like we, we can talk all day and, and watch these nude segments at night about just, you know. The, the attack on the Capitol, but then you show mm-hmm. us a, I don't know, a, a commercial about monitor severe plaque psoriasis. And we forget all about it. <laughs> yeah. Move on, yeah. move on instantly. Cause we don't care because our attention spans are short, but that's not the reason. The reason is because we don't fucking care. We don't care. We pretend to care. We feign, you know, compassion, but we really mm-hmm. truly don't care. Yeah, that's true. And that's it. I feel that's like also, it. I see. I kind of got a different interpretation of it. I mean, I see where you're coming from on this one, but I kind of got it from where, you know, it's it's talking about a not 
too off too far off future like like it's like a dystopian future like i said but the media is kind of feeding us just happy and useless information just to kind of distract us from what's actually happening like the atrocities elsewhere i mean we see it every day here i mean prior to you know this whole russia ukraine thing i mean the shit that was going on in in yemen and somalia and and ethiopia and shit is way more insane or not not way more insane but insane just like this whole russia ukraine thing like a lot of a lot of shit just swept under the rug not really talked about we're constantly being fed this happy stuff and just ignoring everything else any everything negative and bad that's going on around the world and i feel like this song is subtly talking about like media manipulation of the masses not not overtly saying it like rage against the machine would have just overtly said something like that but the I mean, at least Joe Strummer was a little bit more subtle with his, to me at least, it was a little bit more subtle with his his message in this song. That's what I got from this particular song. Uh, that's but, essentially the same thing, right? We're, we're, we're being manipulated by the media, and the yeah. media wants to give us the information, but only enough information as to make us tune in, but not too much information to where we're going to do something about we're gonna it. We're going to be mad, yeah. Therefore, we're going to break up we're going to break up like the somber tone of everything with ads of with, with fluff pieces with, with other things, with things that are, who gives a fuck about Johnny Depp yeah. and Amber Heard? Like who gives a fucking shit I know, about right? this? God <laughs> it's, it's insane. Like for a day, yeah, that, that was funny and interesting, but it's like, why is so much on this? But then you look at the Ghislaine Maxwell, almost nothing about her trial. I know. Like I understand like it, cameras weren't allowed in that courtroom because it was a federal federal case so you, there's no cameras allowed which I, I understand okay that's that's the law but you know she she was convicted of trafficking and all this people. other shit yeah trafficking people and and all this other crazy shit but not one person was named she was accused of it but nobody else was named why like what the fuck how how can she be convicted of something if nobody else was named in the trafficking it 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 defies all logic and the fact that no people barely talked about that trial this whole johnny depp and amber Heard thing it, it's so completely a farce i mean these two actors especially johnny depp a great fucking actor you know oh he's a really good actor come on uh, the fuck out of here he's great oh he's really good he's he's fine he's he's great but uh but i mean it's just it's so stupid it's so fucking dumb it is. It's. It's. It was fun for talk. a day, but I don't give a fucking shit. I don't. Who cares? God, just go away. Yeah, like three weeks later, like I'm so over it. Be done with it. I don't care. But yeah, you're right. Like, like, dude, these this lady's, like, she's involved with trafficking like children. Yeah. How is this not getting attention? Like, how is this not at like the forefront of all news? Like, how is this not being talked about in social media circles? I don't mm-hmm. understand. And people I like know. to joke, like the Epstein didn't kill himself thing. Like that, that, be, that has become a joke. It's not a fucking yeah. joke. Like I know, like, right? You, it's it's crazy truly, how they've kind of numbed. You truly it believe that, like he didn't kill himself. You truly believe that he was like murdered in his cell. That's not a fucking joke, man. This is not. Like this is. Like, come on, wake up. Yeah, they they've they've made the whole entire thing a meme, or the media has made the entire thing a meme. Society has made it a meme. It's crazy. Crazy Here we shit, have man. The, upper echelon of society the trafficking underage children for sex and we think it's a fucking joke it's disgusting 
this is our society, man. This is this is our society, man. This is what's happening here. <laughs> Let's go smoke man. some weed, man. Fucking if Joe Strummer, if Joe Strummer was alive today, ooh, baby boy, would he be? He's mad. probably he's probably rolling in his grave right now. Rolling in his fucking grave, rocking and rolling. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. That was so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's play a little bit of uh, Inoculated City from uh, The Clashes. So here we go. There you go, Inoculated City from The Clash. All right, so do we have anything left on this song? No, that's uh, that's it, that's all. All right, so this is your 5B, correct? 5, 5B, something like that, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so so my 5B was straight to hell. Uh, what, do you, what do you got for your 6B? Rock the Casbah, baby. Oh, dude, rock the Casbah. I guess we gotta, I guess we got to talk about it. Sean Beatty, you know, like it. <laughs> I did this. Never knew the real lyrics till this week either. <laughs> always, always just saying what I wanted to during that part. <laughs> Sharif, I mean, it, I never knew he actually said like a name, like Sharif. I never yeah, of knew. Of course. That. I thought he's a shot idiot. I like it. Don't, <laughs> don't. I thought it was like Sheree, like, like Sheree, like a girl's name, like. I don't know. I, I never, I never knew like the the what this song was actually about, and the meaning of the song is is way deeper than I would have ever expected for a song this catchy. <laughs> yeah, it's such a dumb song. Oh my god, it's such a dumb song. This is a this is this is a topper song. This is this is topper. Yeah, yeah. Topper. Yeah. Get to the topper. Get to the topper. Get to the topper. Your Arnold impression needs work, but that's fine. I I, I didn't really try. I, I could have tried more. I I actually sound. You, no, my impression you have, is like Will Sasso's impression. A, you think you have a good Arnold impression? Let's hear it. I want to hear no, it. No, I can't. I no, I'm too embarrassed. On no, cue. I can't even do on it. cue. On cue. Can't even do it. Can't even do it. I can't stand it. Well, you, what you could have, what you could have done since you edit the pod is you you could say, okay, here we go. 
and then actually just input Arnold's voice. <laughs> I could do that. Like, I would have never been none the wiser. Like that would have been that would have been funny. <laughs> uh, or do Will Sasso's impression of Arnold. That would have been better. Which actually, actually sounds more Arnold. like Arnold than Arnold does anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. This is uh, uh so this so. is this is a topper song. This is a drummer song. Legend has it. He showed up to the studio. He had he had a, a concept laid down. He laid down like the piano part and then everybody else was late, so he laid down the drum part and everybody else was late. So he played some bass and everybody else was late. And he pretty much like finished the song and then everybody else came there eventually. And just put some like finishing touches on it, and this is uh, this is what happened. Yeah, supposedly. yeah. I I believe it. I, I really do. I, th- there's no reason to lie about it, and it's not like Strummer or these Mick Jones fucking, ever came out and these, said that these delicate it was wrong. geniuses lie about everything. Who fucking knows what they? But also, do when you look at the when you look at the songwriting credits, I mean, he does have he ha- does have a songwriting credit on this on this particular song. So. I mean, I, I only believe that because this song sounds fucking way different than everything else in the album. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. It's it's this definitely the standard. Nothing like anything else. And it's, yeah. it's this is a fucking disco dance song, very new wave, but kind of masked behind some yelling and very subtle punk rock. Like that's that's what this song is. Yeah, yeah. Rock was good. It's good. Rock. Like come on, you don't don't pretend like you don't fucking it's belt catchy. out that. It's so good. It's it's definitely catchy, Locked but the cash box. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! What is so it like? Good. Lock the cat box or something like that? Or toss say the cat whatever, box? Say whatever the fuck yeah. you want. Fuck <laughs> the cat box. Say whatever you want. Who cares? <laughs> Dude, the chorus hits so well. It's that delayed like yeah. vocal spat right there that that gives us yeah. power. The ding, ding, and then and then it goes into it. Like you Rock. wait, you hate, like you gotta wait, you gotta wait, Jimmy, wait, wait. Okay, go. <laughs> but that, oh god like don't don't make me wait don't make me wait that's so good dude in the bass part okay so like during the during the the sharif don't like it the yeah, bass yeah. part there fucking fantastic my favorite bass boom, part boom, on the boom. entire album because it goes high he goes yeah. high he, he goes, goes high super, and it's kind of super too. high yeah boop, 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 boop. like it goes all the way up it's unreal <laughs> it it's unbelievable all the way up <laughs> all the way up oh shit so good it's good it's a really good song this actually makes me like the song more than i did you know before we started potting for sure like like i'm just talking about it i would never listen to the song on my own i would never playlist a song but after like this week and really getting into it this is a cool song and i like it and i feel confident now singing it and if somebody makes fun of me i can i can put them into place and tell them how fucking terrible they are because I am now the gatekeeper of uh, the Clash music. <laughs> so you know, that's what happens. Uh, all right, so should we play? It? Should we even play it? Do we want to play it? Just play it so we can we can hear the high bass part during the shiny and I like it part. Okay, got it. All right, so here is a uh, rock the Casbahs from the Clashes. Shake it. 
It's so squirrely. That bass line is so fucking squirrely. The piano's so fucking busy, too. <laughs> it is. Just it's crazy. It's crazy how well the the keyboard and the bass the bass line intertwine with one another. It's just so perfectly timed and perfectly placed. It's it it's really good. It's fucking fantastic. <laughs> it's stupid. It's annoying. It's obnoxious. It is. It's very. It's very annoying. This is a song you've heard a thousand times, but this is this week has been the best listen I've ever had. Of the oh, song, absolutely, absolutely, and this week made me realize. So, in two thousand three, I'd say two thousand two, two thousand three, Tom DeLonge probably heard this song and realized I could be just as obnoxious as Joe Strummer, and that's what I'm going to do. And ever since two thousand two, he's tried to sing like Joe, Joe Strummer on this particular song. It's so outrageously bad and so stupid, but it sounds exactly like how Tom. How Tom sings, I can see it. A little Poe accent coming in hard, like the and this guy's not even from. He's never even heard of Poway. Everybody's heard of Poway. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the, I mean, you can just t- I, to me at least, I could tell that Tom took so much inspiration from the Clash, or at least Joe's um, vocals, because yeah, it's uh, it's pretty obvious, I think. But anyway. Uh, Rock the Casbah, lyrically. What do we have Rock on this the Casbah. one? Um, I, I felt like essentially this is like a, an act of defiance type of song, right? We're, we're responding to something that he had heard, um, the banning of fun in Iran mm-hmm. leading to the Iranian revolution. Not really, but um, this is just like a response to that. Then he, at some point he's, he heard somebody say that if you have disco records and you get... You get some, you get like forty whippings or something. Yeah, 20, and, 40 uh, lashings or something. Lashings, like yeah, lashings, <laughs> whippings. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing, though, right? Lashings it's the same. Are, yeah, it's the yeah, same. Thing. Using a whip or one of those like nine tails looking things. Nine so. tails. <laughs> well, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so shit you see in like some BDSM porn or something. Yeah, I don't know what they're called, <laughs> but like it looks like nine tails. <laughs> but that, that's what this is. But like, ultimately, this is like an act of defiance song. Like, let's play music to rock the Casbah. Uh, the Casbah being like a fortress, a, 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 a citadel. Let's mm-hmm. let's play the music that they fucking hate to to rock them, rock their socks off. That's so it's so cool. Cheesy. It is really cheesy, but fucking dope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. It's good. Yeah, I, I had the same thing written down about this song. But anyway, do we have anything left on this song? That's it. That's all, baby boy. Rock the cat's butt. Shop it again. I like it. <laughs> all right. So, uh, so what's your what's your seven B or, or what do you want to do? You want to wrap it up? Seven B, eight B? Because I got eight. Uh, I got eight Bs. What What are your other two Bs that you have? Uh, well, I mean, my seven B was Rock the Casbah, and then my uh, my eight B is Red Angel Dragnet. Okay. So what do you got? What do you got left? Yeah, like Red, Red Angel, Dragnet's my seven, and then Overpowered by Funk was my eight, but that was like barely. I, I just okay. I really really liked the music in that, but otherwise it was I. Oh, we didn't even actually over Overpowered by Funk is my six B. I forgot I I skipped my six. But yeah, it's it's just a funk song, and I, I saw a lot of people comparing it to a James Brown song, but I I'd never heard that James Brown song. 
people were referring to, and I didn't look it up, but they were saying I mean, it sounds yeah. it sounds a lot like it. Not like a huge James Brown fan here, so maybe there's things in here that that are reminiscent of that. I don't know, mm-hmm. um, but this just sounded like a bunch of people that uh, a bunch of kids that not really kids at this point, but a bunch of like musicians that are just having a good time. I don't know, trying to play some funk music. It was fun. Yeah. I, uh, Deliberate I, attempt to be funky and fun. Tammy told me this week that she really she really hates funk music. Because I, we were listening to this record on the way home from the beach, and this song came on, and she's like, I really don't like this song. This song's bad. And then I asked her why, and she's like, I just hate funk music. It's bad music. How do you hate funk music? I, I don't know. I don't it's know. It's so happy-go-lucky. Yeah. Just fun. What? Straight up fun. I don't know. I don't get it. Okay. Well, yeah, that's I was wrong, very surprised. All right. Very surprised. And then she says, I have bad taste in music, and she has the best taste in music. Well, so there's that. Both of those statements. So one of those statements is true. The other one is false. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Boy, oh, boy. Mm-hmm. All right. Do you want to wrap it up? Give yeah, a rating? I'm, I'm good. We can wrap it up here. Call it a day. Did we talk about? Did we, we didn't talk about the cover, did we? No, we didn't talk about the cover. We didn't talk about the cover, and we didn't talk about their stupid fucking uh, producer or their manager, producer, friend. Oh yeah, yeah. Cuck boy. Let's get into that real quick. Let's touch upon those two things. Also, you know, pretty much the entire or half the band gets fired. Yeah. Which is crazy, or leaves stupid, the band. You know, dumb. Yeah. Idiots. Topper gets fired because he's a heroin and cocaine addict, and then Mick Jones leaves because, you know, he just can't. He just uh, creative differences. Let's just say that. But but like so that's what do you just, got on that's the so stupid. That's just so fucking dumb. Like like Mick Jones and Joe Strummer, they they worked so damn well together, like creatively just riffing off each other, in like a McCartney Lennon, Hoppus DeLong type of way. So to yeah. get rid of him is just like you. Okay, well, I guess you're done here. That's it. That's all. It's crazy Call they never did anything. They never got. They never reunited before Strummer died. Because yeah. what? I mean, he died in 2002. Yeah. And what? Cut you up. What's the record? Cut, cut you, you up. up. <laughs> Wait, what's the name of the record? Cut the crap. Can't. Oh, cut the crap. Yeah. yeah. Cut you up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cut the crap. I mean, what is it, 85 to 2002? Was it 17 years? And yeah. that once during that that time period, did they get back together? That's crazy. Yeah, it's that's something. And, and reading everything, I mean, this is a very underwhelming band. Outside of their music, they're very underwhelming. Like, there's no crazy party stories, at least what I, from what I was able to find. And there's really nothing outrageous about them. And their feud or whatever it was almost seemed non-existent up until right, like why? right before this record. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. It doesn't seem like there's a lot written about it, but who knows? We probably missed like a whole five documentaries about it. It's possible. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. The, there's for sure one documentary that I wanted to watch that I did not because I forgot and I didn't care that much, but um, yeah. So <laughs> let's, uh, I don't know. This guy, Bernard Rhodes, Bernie Rose, the B-man, mm-hmm. right? Yes. This guy, um, I didn't realize the clash has such a tight six degrees to the sex pistols. Yeah, it's because no this idea. guy, and that I don't know. That's kind of gross. I don't like that. I don't. I don't. I don't like that at all. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't like that they share essentially just one person. This guy Bernard Rhodes, who, who was friends and, and worked with uh, with with Malcolm from from the yeah. Sex Pistols, Malcolm McLaren. 
and and essentially, I don't know, kind of being like in in the beginning stages of the Sex Pistols, and acknowledging still the Sex Pistols were were built around like a look, a brand, an image, and then trying to do kind of the same thing with the Clash for a long time. Like yeah, it wasn't like true. a one-off thing. Like for a long time. Uh, and yeah, so and that, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. The Clash, or at least Strummer, saw the Sex Pistols play like one of their first shows and realized, oh fuck, the band I'm in isn't going to make it anywhere. This is the new, this is the new thing, the new happening. I'm going to start doing this now because I could see this is going to be popular. So it's like he almost kind of did it just to be cool or to be different. But yeah, he was more just following a cra- the crowd of the manager or like you know the record label essentially, and it's- then. Their first show was opening for the Sex Pistols. Yeah, oh God. <laughs> Imagine being at that show, like, and like in retrospect, like being somebody who could say, "Oh yeah, I saw the Clash play their first show, and they opened up for Sex Pistols." Like, that's, that's a brag. Stupid. That's that a brag. The brag. That is like the brag. Yeah, that and, is and one of the the ultimate brags right there. Like I, I we shit on the Sex Pistols constantly, constantly, mm-hmm. constantly, rightfully so, because they were awful and. 95% of, of, of all topics, but like at least they did kind of look punk rock sometimes. But when you just dig Only because deeper, they created it. That's the only yeah. reason why. Well, the, this guy <laughs> did. This guy created it. Bernard Rhodes, him and, and Malcolm. Yeah. Like, they created punk music. And, and I shouldn't say music. They created, like, punk like ideologies and, and, and fashion and, and everything else. And that's fucking terrible. That's stupid. It should, it should not have been created. It's not like a... Uh, the prog rock thing where it's created in a laboratory where you were you piecing things together like that's oh god i fucking hate i cannot stand this guy <laughs> and he, he, i don't think he ever did anything like really bad either like he wasn't like a dick or nothing but i just yeah. i can't stand it just because of of his connection to the sex pistols his connection to malcolm mclaren and just his connection to creating like a a brand of music and uh, it's it's it is very interesting to think that punk music has come so far, but it started just like it's test tube essentially. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really was. It's annoying, annoying. Barf, annoying. barf. All right, so let's um let's touch upon the the album cover. So they were the Clash were on tour in in Asia, Australia, New Zealand, and uh, they were in. I think the picture. I think it was taken in Thailand. Yeah, and it's just them like just crouching on some train tracks. Nothing super significant, but I think it's kind of a cool picture. It's a cool. It's a cool picture. It's it's yeah. a cool it's a cool picture because it's just it looks like they're always having a good time. Yeah, like even that's though it's the like type one of, of them were strung out. Yeah, well, they, like this is the type of picture you take with like your first band, and and you're just like, oh, train tracks, cool, right? Because train <laughs> tracks are cool. Yeah, Let's yeah. go take pictures on them. And so you take like fifty pictures or whatever, and the one that's the most like candid, that's this is the one they use. Yeah, absolutely. And I, but then I also, know. you know, they're in they're in Thailand. There's so many places they could take a picture at. You know, like they had some like some ancient like ruins. You know, some or something. You know, I don't even know. Like, but they they choose train tracks, like the most Western thing you could take a picture in front of. That's what they do in Thailand. Dude, train tracks. For whatever reason, still to this day, they're just, they're so exotic because they're so <laughs> taboo and there's no reason for it. But like playing on train uh, tracks is just, 
I don't know. I don't know. I, mean, I love I love it. Okay, yeah. Train tr- I mean, I kind of agree with you on there. Right? Like you can't like yeah, you, train tracks if you are cross so train weird. tracks, you can't help but like step on the metal parts and like balance yourself. You put your arms down, see how long you can balance. I don't know. Train tracks are just there's something like innocent about train tracks. Like going back to like the forties and the fifties, like bubblegum pop and, and and stand by me, like train tracks. I don't know, man. There's something about train tracks that I just I think are exotic but comforting. Train tracks are weird. I don't know. It is really weird weird thinking back to my childhood how much time I did spend on train tracks. Dude, throwing rocks at train tracks when the train comes. Sit there with your boys, like trying to be all hard, trying to be all tough. Like, I'm not going to fucking move. I'm 10 (laughs) feet away from the train. I don't care. So dangerous. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, or or putting pennies pennies on on the train track. And then you get a flattened penny at the end. Dropping computer monitors from a bridge onto moving trains like this. Throwing is plastic chairs, throwing plastic <laughs> chairs at train tracks. Um, yes, that's what we did. <laughs> wow, we were shooting train with Dude, a BB shooting, gun. Shooting shooting BB guns at moving trains. Yes, this is what that's we did what as we did. children. Statute of um, limitations. Post high school. Yes, as children. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's um, let's wrap it up. Let's give our final thoughts on this record, and uh, let let's rate it with our world famous three point rating system. Where three is a perfect album, two is a good album you're going to continue to listen to, one is a bad album but give it a shot, and zero is the worst thing you've ever heard. So what do you got, Jeff? Go. Yeah, so I, I've never been like a Clashman aside from like three songs. So th- this this week has been um, has been really fun because. I now realize that London Calling is leaps and bounds better than I ever thought it was. Mm-hmm. But I now also know that 50% of the Clash discography is, uh, at best, fucking trash. Yeah. So, yeah. given given that, um, I still had a really good time. I, I said a really good time. These songs were a lot deeper, a lot more complex than I thought they could be. There's a lot more reggae in a lot of their music than I had ever realized and uh, like I love it, I I love all that stuff, and I I dig it, and I like, I like the fact that they're they're using different genres and incorporating different uh, walks of life into it. But it does it does kind of beg the question though, because these guys aren't like gutter punks. They're not, I, I don't know, they're not like strung from the underclass. They're, they're they're not coming up from the from the dirt. You know, they're they're middle class kids. Yeah, yeah. At least, so the fact that they're so well read musically. I wonder if that has like anything to do with it. If 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 they were all, you know, poor kids, would their music have been this eclectic, this this well thought out? And when we talk about like the Sex Pistols and the Ramones not being this good musically, I don't know, like like Sid Vicious and, and Johnny Rotten were just shitheads. They're fucking gutter punks and their music sucked. Overrated mu- overrated musicians. If you can even call it call them musicians at all. Yeah. So yeah, true. Especially Sid. I don't know, man. The like just, just being born into just at least the middle class automatically gain you an edge over writing better music than than somebody who's gonna be born into like the underclass. They have a tougher time yeah. and so that's that's interesting. But at least like these guys would never never like I don't know, never never shied away from the fact that they 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 never pretended to be somebody that they weren't. 
They never pretended yeah, to be poor. Never pretended to be underclass. Never pretended to be marginalized. Never pretended to be anything else other than that. And like to the last album, they still preach like rights, and they're still very like liberal in, in their thinking. And like that's that's admirable. I I respect yeah. that. Like stick to your beliefs and, and fucking do it. Agreed. Agreed. I dig. Um. So yeah, this album was great. Combat rock, dope. Got it for ten bucks on the vinyls. Pretty stoked about it. It's yeah, pretty good, yeah. Pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I do have the Clashes, the Clash. Like I said earlier, I have the U.S. version, but I do think it's like a like a eighty press, like a nineteen eighty press. It's a very very early also, one, like right when it came out. Yeah, it's in like immaculate condition, as all the records I got from this guy <laughs> were, and uh, I'm super happy with it. Because this band, this band's great, man. This band's really, really good. Yeah. So, um, but so this one I give, uh, I give two point five. I give two point five. I'm gonna go back to this for sure. Guy. There's a lot of stuff on here that are just exceptional, but then there's a lot of stuff here that I think is okay. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, I, I would probably give like Clash is the Clash probably if close, if not a perfect three. Really? Wow! Yeah. Holy shit! Like that was just stupid good. <laughs> wow, I wouldn't. Good. I wouldn't say perfect three good, but stupid no, it's really good. good. Wow, holy shit! All right, all right. My final thoughts. Kind of, kind of picking up where where you where you said that you know they grew up like middle class, upper class. I think it was Joe Strummer whose dad was like a like a some politician in England or something like that. So he 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 definitely didn't grow up in poverty or anything like that. And I think we talked about that on on Rage Against the Pod. Yeah, how we were kind of surprised that you know they they didn't come from from you know lower class or poverty poverty or anything like that. And and it, it I think that reflects in the songwriting because when you have a little bit more money, you can take guitar lessons. You have more time to 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 hone your skills on whatever instrument or whatever you're you're trying to do, rather than trying to just survive. You know. So maybe yeah. that's where it comes in at. And also, Strummer was like two or three years older than the rest of the guys in the band. So when when Strummer when they when the Clash formed, I think it was uh, Paul didn't even want to play in the band with Strummer because he thought he was too old. He was an old man, but he was like twenty one, and the other guys were eighteen, some shit like that. So maybe that's where it comes into like the maturity because. I assume the Sex Pistol guys, I don't remember, but they were probably 19. They were probably a little bit younger too. So, I don't know. Um, but yeah, with that, you know, th- this this week really surprised me. And when I when I first got this record, like I said, Combat Rock, when I got it about a year ago, I'd never heard this record in its entirety. And I was really kind of blown away by it because of how all over the place it was genre-wise. And that's why I wanted to do it. And I think it's a great record. Obviously not their best. Because the clash is the clash is the best, uh, but this is a really really solid output, and essentially being their last record because, uh, fuck, what is it? Cut you, you no. Cut what you is up. It? <laughs> cut the rope. Yeah, fuck. Cut you up. That record. Cut you. Because that record's not even a clash record. It's fucking garbage. This is really the last clash record, and this is uh this is great, man. This is really really great, and it and it's awesome that they kind of ended on, I will say they ended on a high note with this record. Yeah, they ended the band on a high note, and it's great. It's excellent, and I'm gonna have to give this record a um, two point five. Two point five. Because the same reasons as you, there, there's no, there are no stinkers. 
most of the songs are bangers, but there's a couple okay or good songs. And uh, yeah, it's a good one. It's good stuff. 2.5. Obviously, I'm going to go back to it because I do have it on the vinyls. But I don't know. Do we got anything else on The Clash or this record? I think that's it. That's it. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. Go to, you know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, give us five stars. Tell all your friends and family. And uh, that's it. That's all. Sufficient. It's an eraser, but how did yeah. it melt? Oh, yeah. That's an eraser. Tastes like an eraser. <laughs> you fucking licked it. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely tastes like an eraser. All right, get out of here. Oh, you're so you fucking weird. <laughs> but anyway, back to uh, this Clash record. Great lyrics. <laughs> did you just rub your hands together? I did. You heard that? <laughs> Why are you rubbing <laughs> your hands together? What are you doing? I don't villain? know. You, pl- you plotting? You scheming? Like, what's going on? I am. What are you- <laughs> <laughs> rubs his hands together. I can't believe you heard that. I heard it. <laughs>